Blog Talk Radio. Everybody and welcome to another edition of Draft Smashers Radio. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Aniano, and it is Wednesday night, April 22nd. And I want to thank everybody uh, tuning in live here on Blog Talk Radio, or if you're listening on demand or on iTunes, wherever you may be listening, uh, we do appreciate you listening to our Fantasy Baseball Week 4 preview show. It should be a fun show, a lot going on, lots to talk about. Uh, before we get to all of it, I want to remind everybody, phone lines are open for the next hour or so, 347 347- 838-8088, that's 347-838-8088, so give us a call with any questions, comments you may have, uh, in regards to fantasy sports, or uh, anything else in general, let's have some fun, chat room is open as well, so jump on there, and uh, ask us any questions you may have in the chat room, if you don't feel like paying the quarter and making the call, uh, follow Draft Smashers Radio on Facebook at Draft Smashers Fantasy Sports Radio, Twitter at Draft Smash Radio. As always, go to DraftSmashers.com for all the latest in fantasy sports news and information. Myself, Anthony Aniano, doing a lot of writing on the daily game and some waiver wire articles going up. Uh, great stuff covering fantasy golf, fantasy football will be starting soon. We know that. So DraftSmashers.com. You can also hear our show on FantasyHelp.com and directly on DraftSmashers.com as well. Joining us tonight, and uh, I'm excited to have him on. I was just on his show. He's Doing me a solid and returning the favor from friendswithfantasybenefits.com, a terrific site, a terrific podcast as well. Had a lot of fun with him and all the other guys over there. Uh, we have Mr. Cameron Miller. Uh, Cam, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. How's everything going tonight? It's going great, man. I appreciate you having us on, Anthony. I like, uh, like that we're doing a little bit of the reciprocation here. That's pretty cool. Yeah, no, no problem. I love talking to people in the industry all sorts of different ideas, thoughts. Uh, sometimes we agree, sometimes we disagree. Either way, it makes for good conversation. Before we get to all the fantasy baseball that we want to talk about, Cam, take a minute or two. Someone new to our site or someone listening to this podcast hasn't been to your site, fantasywithfriendsbenefits.com. What can they see there, my friend? Yeah, we got, we're, we're kind of a new site. You know, we kind of, it's, Five guys, we all kind of joined this dynasty league together, and we said, hey, what the heck, let's throw a podcast together and see what we can do in the industry. So we got a few guys over there. We're writing some stuff on www.friendsandfansbenefits.com. You can check out all our articles on there. we got some guys doing some really nice stuff. Um, I personally a little more involved just on the podcast side of things at this point. Um, follow us on Twitter. You can follow uh, our main feed at uh, Fantasy Benefits. Uh, me personally at Cameron Miller zero zero on Twitter, and you can find all the other guys by following the main feed. They'll they'll be tweeting back and forth to that feed all the time. Excellent, excellent, and great stuff. Great, I had a great time on the show. I, I highly recommend you tune in. Uh, a lot of great information there on the fantasy, friends with fantasy benefits dot com. Want to remind everybody before we go any further. Okay, and if you've never played fantasy baseball before, join the tens of thousands of people who are already playing fantasy baseball on FanDuel. You deserve more fantasy. Uh, don't wait till football season. Jump on fantasy baseball on FanDuel.com. Right now, I have a special offer for all my listeners. Sign up today 
and FanDuel will match your first deposit dollar for dollar up to 200 bucks. That's a bonus of up to $200. Click the microphone in the upper right. Sign up using the promotional code SMASHERS. That's my own private promo code, SMASHERS. And like I said, FanDuel will match you dollar for dollar up to $200. Don't forget to use my promotional code SMASHERS. FanDuel.com, where every day is a new season. That's FanDuel.com. And don't forget, every Wednesday, I usually get the email from the guys at FanDuel at about 10 a.m. They set up a nice private league for Draft Smashers Radio and DraftSmashers.com. Uh, 25-person, $5 fantasy baseball league. They've been setting it up every Wednesday. I've been tweeting it out. I know, Cam, a bunch of guys on your site jumped in there today. It's on DraftSmashers.com. Um, a lot of industry guys now joining in on that league. Uh, Cam, I don't know if you got to join today. Did you? Yeah, I got in today. Um hoping they're going to play baseball out there for your Mets tonight because I played G today. They are playing. It is going to start a little bit later. It's a 7.40 start time. I actually got nervous. I had a couple of Mets in. I pulled them out of my lineup at about an hour ago because I didn't know what was going to happen, but they say they're going to play. But um, So check that out. Follow us on Twitter. A lot of people retweeting it as well. It's on our Facebook page every Wednesday by 10, 11 a.m. The link is out there. Play against us. It's a lot of fun. You can brag. You can boast. You can say you beat us or you lost to us. But uh, either way, it's a lot of fun. So make sure you check that out on FanDuel. If you're a DraftKings person and want to explore DraftKings, uh, you can go to DraftKings.com right now and sign up using the promotional code SMASHRADIO. Okay, play whenever you want. Pick your sport, draft your team. It's like a new season every time you play, so you're never stuck with the same players. Last year, $300 million were won at DraftKings.com, and you could be next to win big. So go to DraftKings.com now and enter the promo code SMASHRADIO to play for free. That's SMASHRADIO. For free entry now at DraftKings.com. All right, Cam, I got all my obligations out of the way. Um, Now we can finally talk some baseball. A lot of injuries over the last couple of days that I think we do need to mention uh, around the league. The catching position in one took a beating. Travis Darno with the broken hand. One of the Mets' top prospects, Kevin Plawicki, brought up. He had a couple of hits yesterday in his debut. Jonathan Lucroy, he's going to be out six to eight weeks with a fractured toe. Mezzarosco still not back, so he's banged up. So you're scrambling maybe for a catcher. Uh, I have a few ideas there. Maybe you could go if they're available. We'll talk about that. Second base position, uh, Jonathan Scope of the Orioles. Scooter Gannett added to the DL. They're both out. Rendon is still on the DL. He's got some uh, rehab assignment coming up. At third base, you've lost David Wright. Jake Lamb, he's on the DL now. Tomas is playing third base. Folks, if you heard us on, on Cam's show, Cam, we talked about it. Stay away from Tomas. He may hit a little bit, but he's not a long-term solution at third base. He's got awful. In the outfield, Jose Bautista, Christian Yelich listed as doubtful right now. Carlos Gomez on the DL. Some starting pitching news. Joe Nathan on a rehab assignment today re-injured his arm. Don't know what that is yet. And Ian Kennedy should be back soon for the San Diego Padres. So, Cam, I, I went through some of those injuries um, and I went through them quick. A- anything strike you as really potentially fantasy devastating there? I mean, for me, it's the Carlos Gomez hamstring situation in Milwaukee. It's probably the biggest one. Um, but what do you think, especially at those catcher positions, how does a fantasy owner cope with that type of mess? 
Well, I mean, Luca is the biggest one for me outside of Gomez. Like, Gomez, he spent a first-round pick, obviously, that can be devastating. Yeah. But Luca is a guy, second catcher off the board in most leagues coming into the season. <laughs> it, it, it's going to be a big hit for anybody who took him because he's going, you know, three rounds before you're seeing anyone else at the position go. And it, it's going to be really painful for some people. I have, a, I have an idea for a solution. I've got him in a league, in our deep dynasty league, personally. That's my only share of him this year. But he's going to kill me while he's on the DL for two months. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. And, he's, a, he, he's a tough loss to come back from. Um, are you willing to take a flyer on a rookie like Plowicki of the Mets just because you know he's going to play uh, for the next month or so? Or are there other guys out there that you kind of see on the radar who might be available? Well, there's some guys that I think you can look at. It's all going to depend on kind of your league format and how deep you are. Um, If you play Mm -hmm. in an OBP league, Alex Avila is a guy that I think you can get away with for a little while. Um, I think going into last night, average was 190, pretty ugly, but on base percentage 400. The guy takes his walks. So I think it's a guy you can kind of get away with for a little while. Um, If Montero's out there on the wire, I think you can kind of slide away with that for a little bit. There's a, there's a mm-hmm. name I want to I want to mention to you, Anthony, and I kind of want to get your opinion on it because me and the guys were talking about him last night a little bit, and I was thinking if you spot start like a Montero or, or a you know 13th, 14th type catcher in your uh, in your 12 team league, do do you make a claim on Blake Swihart if you're anticipating he's going to be up by you know May 1st or so? That's a guy who's hitting about 3:30 in the minors right now. The power's a little off, but he's got nine RBI. He's, he's showing he's showing some decent ability down there, and I think he's going to come up and play for Scott. Yeah, I mean, it, it all depends. It depends on the league. Uh, I mean, a rookie catcher to me is a scary thing, especially as a long-term solution. Um, you know, if I have if I have a catcher I'm happy with, I'm probably not worrying about it. Dynasty, obviously, is a different animal, and I, I would look at that differently. But for this year, he wouldn't interest me much. I, I you know, when was the last time a catcher came up out of, out of the minor leagues and he was Mike Piazza? It doesn't happen often. A lot of these catchers are, are always a little bit behind offensively. They're coming up for the defensive reasons. Um, I'm, not, I'm not holding him on my roster, hoping he gets called up. I don't believe in carrying two catchers. Uh, so, so that's a strike against it as well. I would rather go with the Montero or, or the guy who's going to be playing, and I know he's going to be playing. He's not going to win me a league, but he's not going to lose me a league. Maybe a Derek Norris if he's still somehow floating around, a Nick Hudley in Colorado. I'd rather have somebody who I know is going to play and give me okay numbers uh, in a yearly league than roll the dice on a rookie who I have to bench and store for a few weeks potentially. Um, what about you? Are you high on the kid? Do you think he's useful? Dynasty format, obviously, I'm really, I'm really into Swihart. I think he's got some big potential there, but he's going to be gone in that format almost entirely. So what mm-hmm. I'm really looking at, the, the idea that I was trying to come up with, because I have Luke Roy in, in that one league, and for people who maybe are about to lose Luke Roy, is maybe you go with Montero for a little while. And it all depends for me on whether or not you think Swihart can outproduce the 13th or 14th ranked catcher in your in your redraft league. And I think he has the ability to do that. Once he comes up in Boston, he's got a nice park to hit in. You might see a little bit of uptick in the power if he figures out the pitching situation in the majors. And I think he's going to be capable of getting on base. So I, I could see yeah, him yeah. outperforming, but my, my biggest detriment is just like you said, 
probably having to hold him for two, three weeks before he gets here. Right. You know, to, like I said, I, I mentioned a few. I mean, there's been a changing of the guard down in Miami now. Uh, um, Real Muto has taken over the job, essentially. You know, he's getting – Salto Lamarque is getting maybe one or two starts uh, here and there over the last week or two since Real Muto's come up. I've added Jacob Real Muto in an NL-only league. Uh, the kid has some talent. The Marlins like him. They didn't wait long to bring him up as soon as Salto Lamarque started struggling. The kid came up, and they handed him the keys to the car, and they're letting him drive it. So, you know, if you talk about some of these rookies, if, if you need that guy, take the flyer on the guy who, who's up in the big leagues, the young kid, the Real Muto, rather than the question mark uh, in Boston there. Uh, so Real Muto is another one, another name who's playing every day. He's getting you at bats, potentially could fill in for a Lucroy or Travis uh, Darneau. Uh, so those are a few guys. If you've been hit by that catching bug, and, and you you know, Luke Roy, I agree. He was second catcher off the board. But Travis Darnot was playing lights out as well. A lot of owners were happy with him if they took him late early in the season. So both of those are some tough breaks. Um, I'm going to throw this right back to you, Cam. Let's talk some waiver wire. Not necessarily injury-related, but it is now at this point the end of April. Uh, people are starting to tinker with their teams. And... You know, who's out there, in your view, who is not a flash in the pan, but somebody who can make an impact, not only right now, but maybe even sustain it throughout the rest of the year? Uh, any names that you see popping off the, off the page to you? Uh, there's a guy that me and one of my, one of my guys over there at Friends of Fantasy Benefits are, are really high on. We co-own a league in CBS together that we, we drafted him real late, and that's Nick Martinez out in Texas. So far this year, he's had three starts. He's allowed one total earned run last night against Arizona. He's gone seven innings twice, six innings once. He's not walking very many guys. The whip is an even one. The ERA is .45 at this point. And I think he's got the skills to maintain it. He's getting an elevated ground ball rate right now. But even if that regresses a little bit, I'm anticipating that the strikeouts are going to rise because at this point he's at four and a half Ks per nine. And his minor league career suggests he should be a guy more in the seven five eight range. And if you if you counteract that, I think he can be a really productive piece for a lot of people. And last time I checked, he's about fifty percent owned in ESPN leagues. Yeah, he's not he's not widely owned. I'll agree with that. And you look at him, you talk about his strikeout rate, right? He's a little over four strikeouts per nine. But you're right, his entire minor league career spanning four seasons between rookie ball and and double A. He averaged eight strikeouts, 8.1 per nine innings, which is a nice numbers. Walks were about three walks per nine innings in the minor leagues. So this is a guy who can strike out people. Now, he's not playing for a great team. Rule number one about pitches, you don't chase wins. But I agree with you. I think Martinez can be useful. He's slowly winning me over. And I like him. Now, now you mentioned the pitcher, and I have a few other pitchers. But I'm going to start the rest of this conversation this way. Two pitchers who I, three pitchers, who I was very high on coming into, into draft season. Two of them with the Blue Jays. Drew Hutchinson and the rookie Daniel Norris and James Paxton of the Seattle Mariners, who had terrible news today. Uh, he, his last thought, I think he gave up eight runs. It was only two of them earned. But a scorer's decision got reversed today, and now basically all of those runs are now earned. His ERA ballooned by about three runs with that decision. These three guys... Pretty much people drafted. They jumped all over the Daniel Norris bandwagon. 
Hutchinson was named opening day starter in Toronto. People expected Paxton to break out. All three of them have been terrible. You can't trust them right now. Probably on a bench. Are you ready to cut bait and, and drop these guys and, and, and attempt to add the Nick Martinez's, the, the, the Chris Heston's of the San Francisco Giants, uh, Anthony DiScafani of the Cincinnati Reds, who I recently added. Are we ready to cut those guys and, and add, or is, it, or is it too soon for you, in your opinion? All three of the guys that we talked about there, uh, Heston, uh, Martinez, and uh, who was the last one we mentioned right there? Uh, DiScafani of Cincinnati. Yeah. And all three of those guys, I'm prepared to cut bait with uh, Norris for. Um, I didn't think this was going to be the year that he figured it out. I wasn't super high on him coming into the season. Love the story. Kid lives in a van behind a Walmart. Love the whole the whole get-up he's got going on. But I, was, I wasn't going to be high on him coming into the year, so I'm ready to cut bait there for sure. Hutchinson is one that kind of hurts me a little bit. Cause I was really high coming into him this year. The first start was so nice against the Yankees. You know, everything looked like it could kind of roll into shape for him. Um, and then the last two starts have been brutal. Uh, seven earned runs at Baltimore, four earned runs against an Atlanta offense that's dismal to say the least. Um, I, I don't think I'd cut bait with Hutchinson just yet. I think he's got a long leash with the Blue Jays because they need him. If they're going to make the playoffs, that's the guy who has to produce for them. So I, I don't think I'm cutting mm-hmm. bait with him there. And Paxton's another interesting one. I uh, really gets hurt by the scores, the scores decision there. ERA goes up to about eight and a half, if I remember reading that report right. And mm-hmm. it's just brutal right now for him. But that's another guy I was kind of high on coming into the year. He's got, he's got the skills. I think he's just, he's never been able to put it all together so far in his career. And it's getting a little bit later now. We've seen him for a couple of years now, where I'm kind of getting hesitant on whether or not I think he'll be able to do it. But I think I'm still going to hold on to him for another start or two before I make that call. Yeah, I, it's funny. I kind of ranked him the same way. I had uh, Norris just because he's the rookie as the first one I would consider letting go. Hutchinson second. And Paxton I have a lot of faith in still. And people look at me like I'm crazy. It's only his second. And people don't realize this. It's only James Paxton's second full season in the major leagues. Last season was a full year, and he was hurt for a good part of it. The year before, he was a September call-up. I think Seattle's going to be a good team. He plays in a good ballpark. I'm super hesitant, but James Paxton, for some of these names we mentioned, you know, Heston, um, I, I'm not sold yet on him. The one kid I do like and I'm all in on at this point is Di Sclafani of Cincinnati. Uh, two wins, 16 strikeouts, an ERA of .86. Highly thought of in the Cincinnati organization, um, I've added him. He had two starts this week, so I was able to add him, ride him for the two starts in a couple of weekly leagues I'm in. Um, I'm super high on the kid. Uh, how do you feel about him? Are you as high on, as, high on him as I am? Uh, Jeff Stefani's a guy that, I'll be honest with you, Anthony, coming into the season is not a guy I was really looking at. Um, I'm kind of in the mm-hmm. same boat with you. The two starts this week. May, looked enticing to me. I didn't wind up starting him in any, any league where I had that format, uh, so I didn't get any shares, but he looked great. The little bit that I've been able to see of him this season, he, he's looked incredible. I'm with you completely in saying I'm, I'm buying that more than I'm buying the Heston thing right now. I'm not sold mm-hmm. there. Um, and I, I've got no problem making – if you want to come to me and tell me you want to cut 
Hutchinson for Desclafani. I, I can't argue against you right now. I'm kind of with you with yeah. the Paxton thing that, that you don't want to maybe go that far yet, but if you want to make the other case for the other two guys, I've got no problem with it. Yeah, uh, on the season, Desclafani in three starts, he's thrown 21 innings, he's going seven innings a game, he's only given up two runs, both of them earned, and nine hits in 21 innings pitched. He's pitching to a, a whip of point six one nine. Uh, uh, 6.9 strikeouts per nine innings, only 1.7 walks per nine innings. And, you know, you look at his minor league career, and, and you kind of like what you're seeing. You know, last season in two, with two teams, double-A and triple-A, he pitched to a 3.78 ERA, but he doesn't give up a lot of home runs. He struck out eight and a half batters per nine innings, averages about eight strikeouts per nine innings through his entire three seasons in the minors. Kid's got some talent, throws some nice, uh, nice fastball and some other stuff. I like him. I think he could be uh, productive. And I think in a dynasty league he could be super productive because he's pitching for a Cincinnati team that's rebuilding, especially at the pitching staff, right? Homer Bailey has struggled. Johnny Sueto, who knows if they're going to re-up him. Dee Sclafani can have a prominent role on that Cincinnati pitching staff going forward. Now what about a couple of veteran pitchers who might be available in leagues? I was surprised when I looked how available they were. And that's Alfredo Simon of the Detroit Tigers and Jonathan Neese of the New York Mets. Uh, I'm not saying they're even necessarily dynasty options. They've been around a while. Everybody likes the young kids in their dynasty leagues. But for this year, I'm surprised that they're as lowly owned, I guess would be the way I'd phrase it, as they are. You know, Jonathan Neese will pitch into a a 1.5 ERA with two wins. Alfredo Simon, a 1.74 ERA. And three wins, and I feel good saying this as a Mets fan, both of them pitching for real good teams this year. So are you surprised at how low they are owned? Are you expecting a stat regression from the both of them, and you think that's why their ownership is so low? What do you think of Nice, Simon, one, both of them? Any thoughts on either one of those guys? Nice is the guy that I think I think everybody's kind of – kind of been through it with him before. Everyone kind of knows what they can expect from him. They're not going to get anything amazing. He'll give you these stretches where he's, where he's pretty consistent. You as the Mets fan, I think, will attest to that more than anybody. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. Simon, Simon is the guy that's interesting, more interesting to me here. I think I think Nietzsche is fine. You can stream him. You want to run him out there for a little while, that's totally okay. I think Simon's the interesting one here for me, and I – lay my bias on the line right here, too, because I'm a Tigers fan, so we kind of hit both of our teams right here. But uh, <laughs> Simon's looked great his last two starts. The, the first start he had against the Indians, he was cruising through about four and a half innings. He gets to the fifth, and they rattle off five just bullets off of him. He couldn't find the strike zone anymore. Any breaking ball he was putting over any part of the plate, they were slapping all over. He was gone in six batters, giving up five earned. I think that's the risk you run with him if he's not if he's not finding the corners, if he's not on with the breaking ball, it can get ugly real fast if he's not blowing guys away. The the ownership percentage I think is a result of what everybody saw last year because this is a guy that was an all-star in the first half and then just completely mm-hmm. imploded on the second half of the season. So I think everyone's a little gun-shy on him from that perspective and they're just waiting for the other shoe to drop and for this to ERA to balloon up somewhere in the four, four and a half area, which I think is possible, but I also think that he's, he's part of a team that's got a good rotation, he's got a good offense around him, he's got a good defense behind him, a much improved Tigers defense behind him now, 
And if he's not striking guys out, he can still get out on the ground and through the air with guys like Iglesias and Ghost and Kinsler out there getting the ball for him. I think that I think that Simon has the potential to pitch to about a mid to low mid three three ERA, you know, three two, three three, three four area. Um, and and I think you're going to be ecstatic if you get that out of him on a season. And I, I would expect that his ownership percentage is going to jump in the near future because I, I think he's going to rattle off a few good starts here. Fair enough. I think I think both of their ownerships will go up. I think uh, Nice, if he keeps pitching well, people will get excited by him. I mean, he's not even 30, 30 years old yet, so he's still kind of young. But uh, So I do think there's talent there. And you know what? In a, in, in, a, in a world where I often preach, pick your pitches not based on wins but by on other stats, there is a potential there where Nice may have a few more wins than people expected uh, because of the way this team is playing right now, especially on a hot streak that they're on. Uh, so that's possible. Cam, let's move over now to some offensive players and some players who might be available in some leagues. And I have one that I'm just about ready to jump all over in mixed leagues and NL-only leagues. He's already owned. I'm excited because I actually have him in the NL-only league. And I can't believe I'm going to say this. He currently leads my NL-only team in home runs. And that's Zach Cozart, shortstop for the Cincinnati Reds. They've been playing him for his defense. They've been waiting for the offense to develop. It might, have, it might be developing right in front of our eyes here. He's up to 353. He's got a stolen base. He's got four home runs and eight RBIs on the season. Are you buying on Zach Cozart, or is, just, is this just an April mirage? Uh, Cozart's an interesting one for me. I've had him multiple years in the past kind of waiting for this to happen, and I've had people for years telling me, he can't hit. He can't hit. Well, they were right for quite a few years, and all of a sudden, we're seeing him turn it around. Now, I have some questions. We're looking at his age 29 season here. He's not he's not old, but he's not the kid that you'd expect to be breaking out either. Um, he's in a decent ballpark in Cincinnati for power, you know, so that might have a little bit to do with it, and we are seeing a lot of guys off to some early home runs Mirages. You know, Stephen Drew's got four home runs. Cliff Young's at four. I mean, there's guys all over the league that are flashing the power for what one reason or another. But Cozart is a guy that, given how thin middle infield is, and if you need him specifically at shortstop, I don't think he's a guy you can afford to bench. He's got a little bit of speed. You know, he might be able to snag you eight to ten bags in a season somewhere in that neighborhood. If he keeps showing the power, he's an absolute start. And right now he's hitting about 350. I mean, you can't take him out of your lineup just given the position he plays at this moment. But as far as the whole yeah, yeah. thing goes, I'm going to expect some regression for sure. You know, what's interesting about Cozart is when you look at his minor league numbers, and I know he's been in the bigs for a couple of years now, but in 2010, you talk about speed, right? 2010, this is a guy who stole 30 bases, hit 17 right. home runs, and batted 255. And that was in AAA, his, his last full season in AAA back in 2010. He put up some nice numbers, decent power, good speed, nice batting average. Now, we know since he's been up, you know, he hasn't done that. He hasn't put up the numbers. Okay. Um, the I, I do agree with you. I, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I'm sorry, Anthony. And the, the, the only thing I would say is, because I'm sure everyone's kind of looking at me, what the hell are you thinking? You can steal eight to ten bags or whatever it might be, but he's 
his career on base percentage is about 280. If the guy can get yeah. on base, he could swipe bad. That's the biggest issue for me. He finds a way to get it to the 330-340 range. I've got no doubt in my mind he can steal a bag. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what's what's fascinating, you talk about his OBP. You know, last season in 2014, his on-base percentage was terrible, 268. Already this year, it's up to 389, a 353 batting average. Um, you know, last season, he walked only 25 times. This year, he's walked twice, struck out eight times this year. Uh, he's already matched his, his, his home run totals from last season with four, eight RBIs. He's on a pace to exceed it. I agree with you. Like, I'm using him in an NL only as a middle infielder. He's not even my shortstop. If, you have a league, if you're in a league with a middle infield position, at this point I think Cozart has to be owned and, and at least use him the rest of the way. So let me ask you this. Staying on the Cozart in the middle infield position, he or DJ LeMayu, who do you have more faith in as a middle infield spot for the rest of the season? LeMayu's at 417, a homer, nine RBIs, one stolen base. Him, I'm going to throw three names. LeMayu, Cozart, or Iglesias of Detroit, who's batting 400 with four stolen bases. Out of those three who are highly available middle infielders, is there one you favor amongst the three? Cozart's the one that I favor, because if there's a guy that has power, it's him. And if I can get power out of my middle infield slot, I'm, I'm golden. Iglesias is a guy that he's hitting out of his shoes right now. He's the Babbitt master of the world right now. Everything he's swinging at is finding a hole. I'm watching him every mm-hmm. day. Great shortstop. Not coming out of that lineup. He's going to get you the at-bat, but it, it, I, it's going to come back. He, he's going to hit 280, 270 by the time the season's done. If you're lucky, he gets to five homers. Uh, he, he has the potential to steal some bags, but unfortunately hitting there in the nine hole, he's not going to have the run score total you want. So I'm thinking mm-hmm. he's, he's probably second on my list. LeMahieu I'm completely off on. Hitting in that park, one home run so far, I if he's not hitting for power there, then he's not hitting it for it anywhere. So I'm not I'm not buying LeMayhew at all. If you need if you're desperate, you have an injury you need to come back from, you need someone to spot start for a while while he's hot, go ahead and ride him. But he's third for me on that list, I think. And then Kozar is the runaway winner just for the power potential and for the way he's playing right now. Fair enough. I, I don't disagree. I kind of rank them the same way. But now this week, the Cubs, in a mildly surprising move, um, they brought up their next phenom already. Addison Russell's been brought up, played a few games in the minor leagues at second base to get him ready. I'll tell you right now, if you are a Cubs prospect, you better learn how to play left field because that seems to be the only position that potentially you could crack. You know, Rizzo, uh, Russell at second, Stalin Castro at short, Bryant at third, Fowler in center field, Solaire's hitting the ball in right. Team is stocked with terrifically talented young players. Right now, Coughlin's playing left. He, he, he's probably the one who's next to be replaced. If you're Javier Baez, stop striking out and go play left field. But Addison Russell is now out there. Some leagues he's already owned. People expected the promotion. Some would say he's not the hitter that Chris Bryant is, but he's as good a baseball player. Doesn't necessarily help you fantasy-wise. If he's available, I think, in a free agent uh, system, I think you're just going to put a, a claim in for him and hope you get him. But if you're in a, a fab budget of, say, $100, how much are you willing to bid on a, on a, on a rookie second baseman with the Chicago Cubs? 
Uh, are you willing to go 30 to $40 on this kid, or, or are you expecting other moves that could happen later on in the year and holding on to your money? Personally, I'm a big Addison Russell fan, but this isn't the year for me. I'm not putting in a bid on a 30. Maybe we're talking NL only. I might reconsider. But if we're talking mixed league, putting in a 30, $35 bid on a short or a second baseman for the Cubs, rookie hasn't seen major league play at all. I, I'm not. I'm not buying it this season. Um, and and it's going to depend on who I'm having to give up too. You know, it's another situation because I. I I like to gamble in this game as much as anybody, but I'm not I'm not willing to drop anybody that's going to be even remotely beneficial to my fantasy team to take a flyer on Russell this year. I, I'm interested Who to would you put to see the big... you bid on it though. Yeah, no, I agree. I wouldn't bid a lot on him. Um, I'd put a bid in. You never know. Maybe other people are thinking like I am. You know, I'd put a five a ten dollar bid on him. Knowing the odds are I won't get him because somebody, I think, will overbid in just about every league and think they're getting their savior for the season. And maybe they're right, but I cannot trust a, a, a rookie to be that savior. I just can't. Um, so I'd put a $10 bid in, bid in, and if he sneaks through, he sneaks through, and great congratulations to me. But personally, if, if, if I had my druthers about it, I would rather put the bid in on Zach Cozart for a little bit less money and get the guy who I kind of have an idea of what I get on a low-end side, so I know he's only got upside coming, rather than spend a lot of money on an unknown, a truly unknown like Addison Russell. Um, that's how I would handle it, at least, I mean, in comparison to the other players we've been talking about. I'm in lockstep with you on it, Anthony. I, I'm not putting in a massive bid on him. I'd much rather take my chances on a low-level flyer, you know, six, seven, eight bucks, get Cozart on my roster, ride the hot streak, and hope it carries on for a little while. Right. You know, I I would take a, a Wilma Flores of the Mets, a Glacius, Cozart, not the upside of Russell, but they're playing every day, they're hitting. Uh, I, I would take the and, – and they cost you a lot less in a fab budget situation than Addison Russell will. I mean, that's just our opinion, folks. But, you know, if you're listening, you probably want our opinion, so there it is. Uh, Cam, you're from Detroit. I got another player out there in Detroit that I wanted to mention, that you're a Tiger fan at least, but there's another player out there I want to men- ask about, and that's Nick Castellanos, third baseman for the Detroit Tigers. You see him a lot. He's off to a decent start, 298. He's got a homer, five RBIs. Some third basemen have gone down with injury, right? Rendon hasn't returned yet. David Wright's on the DL. Jake Lamb is on the DL for Arizona. Castell- there might be a need for Castellanos. Um, what do you see with him? Do you like him? Do you have faith in him this year, fantasy-wise? This, a, this was a 20-home run guy in the minor leagues. Last year he hit double digits, but he didn't reach 20. Um, what do you expect for him? Is he worth an ad off the waiver wire? If he's available in your league and you're searching for a third, third baseman, you, you had right go down or, or you, need, you need a replacement, I think Castellanos can be more than satisfactory uh, to fill your needs for that. Uh, if I had to put a projection on him right now, I'd tell you I think he's going to go – he's going to hit somewhere between 270, 280. He'd get 15 bombs this year. I think the power's still kind of developing. He, he has – you're going to see some massive strikeout totals from him this year, I think. He has trouble staying back on the breaking ball. At some points when I'm watching him, I think, why would anybody ever throw this kid a fastball? 
because he can crush it if you get it anywhere near him. But if you if you throw him a couple sliders, a couple curves in a row, he he's still having trouble from that perspective. But if you're just trying to fill a spot, I think he's more than serviceable. I think he's definitely worth a pickup. All right, fair enough. Yeah, I like Castellanos. I think he could be useful, a mistake type of hitter. Uh, him, Will Middlebrooks having a decent year in San Diego. Some other free agent guys you may want to consider. Ender Inciarte out in Arizona is off to a nice start playing left field for them. Billy Butler, a nice resurgence with Oakland. He's batting 375 with two homers, eight RBIs. And, folks, and, and I want to get your view on this too, Cam. If there has ever been a season where we have ever told you do not take a closer early, closers can be found late or on the free agent market, the month of April this year has 110% Proven our point. Everybody thought Dylan Patances would be the closer for the Yankees. Everybody drafted him early. Hasn't happened. He doesn't even have a save. It's been Andrew Miller. Greg Holland, everybody took him early. He's down with a pectoral strain. Wade Davis has three saves. Uh, Jason Grilly was undrafted. He leads the National League in saves. Tied with Henry Familia uh, of the Mets, who's now got six saves, and he's pitching lights out. And those are just a few off the top of my head without even pulling up any numbers, who have come out of nowhere undrafted and, and been solid closers this season. Um, Cam, I, I'm curious. I, almost, I ask almost every guest I have on this show whether they agree with me or not dis, uh, agree with me. Some people like to grab closers. Kimbrell or Aldous Chapman, grab them early, and they don't have to play the market for closers. Others are like me. They like playing the market for closers as the season evolves. What, what's your take on the closer situation and the amount of turnover we've already seen this year? Uh, to be honest with you, Anthony, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, we see a little bit of it every year. This year it's just off to a ridiculous start. But I'm a, I'm a mm-hmm. guy who I don't draft closers early. I, I can't even tell you the last time I took a closer inside of 15 rounds. It just doesn't happen for me. I'll give you a perfect yep. example. One of my leagues this year, Late in the draft, I went Soria and Adovino. I I got it like twentieth, twenty first round, right in there. What else do you want from me? I got five, six saves out of Soria already. Uh, I can't remember exactly where Adovino's at, at but he's. Got, I think Adovino has he's, two. He's got two, but he's striking but, out two batters per inning essentially. Exactly. I mean, he could be elite if he keeps striking up that rate. It, I mean, it makes you a little mm-hmm. nervous in Colorado, but regardless, it, it's been it's been. It, it's been a godsend for me. I mean, I don't have to worry. You, you said it yourself. You know, you go out there, you got the guy taking Batantis in round six or seven, and I get out of Vino in round 21. I mean, it, it, that guy's in a nightmare situation, and I just struck gold. I, I'll never draft closers in, inside of early rounds, and I would never advocate it for anybody else. And I'll tell you what, there's yeah, a few I mean, more guys we gotta we got to keep an eye out for because Melanson's been terrible. That's another guy who's mm-hmm. going to go down. And, you know, Papelbon still kind of dealing with, you know, maybe the trade potential. And we're going to get Giles in with the job there, I think, at some point. Yeah, exactly. Giles is somebody, if you're a Papelbon owner, you've now what you've near, literally had to do is also pick up Giles, expecting the Papelbon trade. You're right, Melanson's been terrible. I mean, you look at this, I'm pulling up the leaders right now. Here are the, <laughs> it's hysterical, the leading <laughs> leaders, league leaders in saves, Grilly in Atlanta, Familia with six with the Mets, both of them. Joaquin Soria with five, and Nathan re-injured today. Uh, Casilla yep. of the Giants has five. Andrew Miller has 
five. None of them, none of them were drafted as an elite closer. You then do have Kimbrell with five, Trevor Rosenthal, Britton, Brad Boxberger's got four. Um, you know, Cody Allen, he struggled mightily there. Wade Davis now has three. Uh, Peralta, who's filling in for Jensen in L.A., has three. Gregerson in Houston has three. You talked about Adovino. Adovino has 12 strikeouts in seven and a third innings. That's just obscene. You know, Melanson's getting hit. You mentioned that. Miguel Castro of Toronto's got two saves. There are saves to be had. I'm glad you agree with me. We can officially call ourselves friends. Um, I'm willing to be friends with anybody who agrees with me on my closer role, my closer philosophies. That's for sure. All right, Cam, with a few minutes left to go in the show, we've got about 20 minutes or so, 15, 20 minutes. What I like to do at the end of most shows is I like to take a look for my listeners who are weekly players. And they'll be listening between Wednesday and next Sunday and looking at their lineups and taking a look at the ever-important two-star pitcher. Right? We know the importance of it. You get two, two good starts. Man, you're up against your opponent usually, or you're gaining in a rotisserie league. You're just doubling up on stats for that one week. It's a terrific day. But we know two bad starts can really ruin your ERA, really ruin your whip and things like that. So when I look ahead to next week, week four already of the fantasy season, there's some obvious names. We're not going to talk about them. Clayton Kershaw, David Price, Johnny Sueto, Corey Gluber, Max Scherzer, Chris Sale, James Shields, Sonny Gray, Madison Bumgarner, Julio Tehran, Cole Hamels, Jeff Zamarja. Now, I'm going to start with Zamarja. <clears throat> and people would think you're not starting with Zamarja. But the truth is, Zamarja has struggled. He's pitching to, four, to a 4-2-9 ERA. Okay? Uh, he's 0-1 on the season. Over his last three starts, he's got a 4-2-9 ERA. He's got two games on the road at Baltimore and at Minnesota. I've said all along, if you're pitching against Minnesota, if, you're team, if you have a pitcher against Minnesota, you're playing him. Minnesota can't hit a thing. But do you trust Samarja, who's clearly struggled in a two-start situation? You drafted him early. You probably got to play him. But I'm sure there's some owners out there who are leery to play him right now. What's your take on Samarja in a two-start week next week? Well, I'll come out right and say, and I think you have to start him next week because you're getting a start against Minnesota. The one at Baltimore scares the hell out of me, but he's playing Minnesota mm-hmm. once, so I think you've got an ace start there. So I think he has to go. But you found the one guy in all fantasy baseball, nobody hates Jeff Samarja more than me this year. And he has been a hot <laughs> button topic all off season and all season long for me and the guys over at Fantasy Benefits. I, I, I don't think he can maintain the walk rate from last year. I hate him in Chicago. I think the home run rate jumps. He he had a good start against my Tigers, but I'll be honest with you, he didn't pitch as well as that line score indicates. He was working off the fastball, and it was pretty good, but there were some good hitters missing hittable pitches in that game. Why it was, couldn't tell you. But saw Cabrera, Cespedes, J.D., Martinez, all swinging at pitches that I wouldn't normally expect him to be swinging at. So I think they gave him away one there. Now, I... I didn't check his final line today, but as I understand, he pitched pitched pretty well today, I think, against Cleveland. Uh, Another quality start, six innings. I I don't think he gave up a run in that game. I'd have to double-check that real quick. But Samarja, for me, I got zero shares of him this year. I don't don't anticipate an elite season out of him. 
if he pitched to a 370 RA, I, if I had him, I'd be pretty dang happy with it. But I, I'd like to hear kind of where you're at with him. It sounds like you maybe kind of agree with me a little bit. I'm hoping. I got no help. I'm yeah, I do. This end of the spectrum, man. Yeah, you know, I do. I do agree. I would play him this week just simply because I have. There are certain teams this year who I truly believe you pitch your pitchers against, um, or you find pitchers to pitch against. And Minnesota's at the top of my list. So I, I would roll with Samarger. I, I keep my fingers crossed at Baltimore and hope hope he gives you at least a quality start, six innings, three earned, and then expect him to go to Minnesota and pitch a very good game there and have things even out. Um, I'm not as down on Samarger as you are, but he's not the – I've never thought he's the pitcher he was last season in the first half with the Cubs. I thought that was the hey, aberration. Um, and, um, you know, you saw him come back to earth when he went to Oakland last year. So I think, I don't, you, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer. You're never as good as you look on your best days. You're never as bad as you look on your worst days. Zamarjo last year for the first half had a very long best day. Uh, he's, to me, a three, an ER pitcher with an ERA of three, three and a half. Give you 12, 13 wins, some decent strikeout numbers. He's not a savior. He's a useful fantasy pitcher. I would use him this week. Primarily because of the the Minnesota matchup, um, some other starters though who were off to nice starts are also getting two starts: Michael Walker, Doug Fister, Colin McHugh, Cam. It's not often it happens, but I gotta say, I don't. I think I'm totally wrong about Colin McHugh. He's he's legit, and I think at this point a must start across the board. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I, I, I'm a little off the mark on him myself, but so far this year, you've seen him go 18 and two-thirds innings. Um, he's getting an obscene ground ball rate at 55%. And he's pitching mm-hmm. to a 2-4 ERA, Anthony. And he's got a bad at yeah. 340. I mean, he is finding a way to get outs with guys on base. He's not allowing runs to score. He's striking out almost nine per, walking two per nine, just under two per nine. Hey, he's been incredible to this point. I'm with you. I didn't see it coming at all. No, no. I mean, this is a Met cast-off, and he's found himself in Houston. 18 strikeouts in 18 and two-thirds innings, only four walks. He's got two starts next week. Again, uh, one on the road at San Diego, one at home against Seattle. Um, I-, I would roll with him. I would roll with him uh, in a two-start week. You know, Donnie Ventura's got two starts, Cleveland and Detroit. Here's a name, Anibal Sanchez. He's struggled. He's one and two, seven seven one ERA, seventeen strikeouts in sixteen and a third. His ERA is very high. He's not having his best season. He's got two road starts. The second one is at Kansas City. Kansas City scores runs. The first one though is at Minnesota. Are we in agreement again with Anibal Sanchez? You're playing him strictly because of the Minnesota matchup, or has he been that ineffective that you can't even do that? Um, before we got on tonight, Animal Sanchez was a guy I made a note to talk about, so I'm glad you brought him up. This is a guy who last year allowed four home runs all season long. You've seen him allow four home runs in his last two games, three against the Pirates. Uh, I forget who he started against last time there. Um, White Sox, I believe. Yeah, he gets shelled by the stock and gives up gives up a couple there. Um I am anticipating a, a rebound from Anibal Sanchez. This is a guy who typically has good command, haven't seen it the last 
Haven't seen it the start against the White Sox. To be honest, the start against the Pirates, he was dominant until he just hit the seventh inning, and they just went off on him twice. How the heck it happened, I really don't know. But he was cruising through six innings. I, I'm comfortable rolling with him again. Um, you got the Minnesota start, so I think you're in good shape there. KC, top part to hit home runs in. Um, if, he's, if that's truly the Achilles heel right now, then you're a little bit safer there. Plus, there's not a ton of power in that KC lineup, and they're scoring runs at a rate that I don't think is going to be sustainable for that lineup personally. Um, so I, I would feel comfortable rolling with Anibal Sanchez. I, I can see why some people would be hesitant to, to do so, but I, I would I would run him out there. You put you put a decent draft pick on the guy or spend some decent auction dollars. It's way too early for me to worry about spitting him. Yeah, fair enough. I agree. I would play him as well. Um, just a quick update. There is one final. You mentioned it before. When the White Sox defeated the Indians today 6 nothing. Uh, Corey Kluber got beat up a little bit, six innings, six earned runs. Zamadra went six innings as well. No earned, six hits, three strikeouts, two walks. He lowered his ERA to 3-3-3 on the season, so he pitched all right. Jose Abreu hit a home run today, his fifth for the White Sox. Uh, that's the only final on the day. That was a day game today. Uh, a lot of games going on right now. Um, Jared Weaver's got two starts on the road. They're kind of tough. He's going at Oakland against Sonny Gray and at San Francisco against Madison Bumgarner. Weaver got lit up his first start of the season. Since then, he's been okay. He's better his second start. Are you trusting him against two true aces in Sonny Gray and Madison Bumgarner? He might not get a win there, but at the very least, can you trust him to get quality starts out of against Oakland and San Francisco? San Francisco struggling to score runs, both on the road, Weaver's not what he once was. What do you think about Weaver in a two-start situation? Weaver's not a guy I care for. I haven't cared for him for a few years now. Doesn't I'm, I'm kind of a strikeout mogul myself. I like to go for those high strikeout guys, so he doesn't really do it for me. Um, mm-hmm. So far this year, you're looking at a whip of one and a half strikeouts. They're under five per nine. Is it ERA is at six six? I Weaver is not what he used to be, and I, I'm not sure he's startable. The one saving grace here is I'm pretty sure he gives you a quality start against San Francisco because I don't think they're scoring on anybody. I'd start right. Tommy Malone on a two-start week if he played San Francisco twice. I mean, it's just, <laughs> that's just the way it's going right now. Um, yeah. I, I I think if you think he can get by on his first start, who who did you tell me that was again against Anthony? It first that starts first against Oakland. Oh, Oakland. Yeah. And Oakland. they're pitching Sonny Gray. Probably not getting a win there if you're in a quality starts league. The potential is there. He could do that for you. And then I think you get a mm-hmm. decent start out of him against against San Francisco, like I said. But I, I'd really be thinking about it before I put him in my lineup. Yeah, I agree. He scares me a little bit. Uh, two tough matchups, especially on the road. Um, some other pitchers. Some lesser-known uh, or lesser-owned pitchers, I should say, who are out there uh, with two starts. I like Jimmy Nelson of Milwaukee, although they're both on the road against Cincinnati and Chicago. Uh, Jimmy Nelson, start him with or bench him. I'm playing him. I, he's looked he looked him. great so far this year. I can't I can't I can't sit him right now. I mean, 12 strikeouts in 12 innings in his first two starts this season. ERA is at one and a half. 
uh, he's he's been dominant. You know, he has nine strikeouts in yeah. his first start against Pitt. He he looked really really good, and I. I I would throw them out there against Cincinnati. Scares me a little bit. The Cubs, I don't, I don't worry about quite yet. They got to show me they can start scoring runs in bunches before I'll start benching guys. I think can have big days against them. But so far, whip of .75. The strikeouts are there. I, I'm rolling with them this week. Yeah. What about we mentioned this guy before, and it's going to be an interesting decision now because he's got the two starts. Drew Hutchinson, two starts, both on the road. One against Boston, one against Cleveland. This, this was another guy I wrote down before we started because it, it's interesting to me. And I told you at the top of the show that I'm, I got a soft spot in my heart for Hutchinson. I really like his stuff. Um, this week just looks a, a little bit rough to me. At Boston, scares mm-hmm. the crap out of me right now. Yeah, it's just it's just absolutely terrifying. Cleveland, I think you can get by out there. That's a team that's not hitting the ball all that great. Michael Brantley, not fully healthy. Brandon Moss off to a bad start. You know, I think he can get a a quality start in Cleveland, but you got to get through that daunting Boston start in Fenway. I I would be, I'd be pretty nervous to start in this league. Yeah, I agree. I have Hutchinson in a few leagues, and uh, I'll probably stay away from him. I have a few days to decide, but I, I don't think I'd go there. I agree. The Boston start to me is scary. This guy's surprising some people. He's making people remember his best days in Colorado, and that's Ubaldo Jimenez. He's currently 1-0. and oh, He's got an ERA of zero, 10 strikeouts, and 10 innings. I can't play him. I won't play him. I have zero faith in him. But some people are adding him now. He's up to 61% owned because of his hot start. Uh, Ubaldo Jimenez, two starts, both at home, one against the White Sox, one against the Tampa Rays. I, I mean, I, I won't do it. What about you? I got two things to tell you about Ubaldo Jimenez. One in our <laughs> in our uh, daily today, I stacked Toronto pitchers hitters against them. I'm not buying it there. Okay. The other thing, you pull up his stats this year. His BABIP against is 0.45. That is, I, I've never even seen that number. Let alone, I mean, I don't care that it's 10 innings. I, that is unbelievable and insanely unsustainable. He's striking out eight and a half guys right now for nine. That's a decent. That's a decent number. But between that Babbitt and the crown ball rate, that eighty-one percent, there's no way in heck I, I'm buying anything from Ubaldo Jimenez. And I'm I'm never starting him in any fantasy format from here until the end of time. There's just no way I'm doing. Well, well, just to let you know, Jimenez tonight so far against uh, Toronto. He's gone four innings, given up two earned runs, five strikeouts, two earned runs. Hopefully you played Justin Smoke uh, in, your sna- <laughs> in your stacked Toronto lineup because he's hit a two-run homer. Other than that, Devon Travis, the rookie second baseman, he has two hits against them, And Kevin Pillar in right field has a hit. Other than that, everybody's offered for Toronto. So Jimenez is off to a nice start again. But I, I agree with you. I just I can't buy the hype. I can't believe it. And and that leads me to my next and uh, my basically my final pitcher on the night, another phenom who's struggling mightily, and that's Taiwan Walker has two starts next week. He's pitching to an ERA over ten, striking out some batters, but that's about the nicest thing I could say. He's been he's been terrible. He's got two starts on the road, uh, not necessarily against the strongest teams, but in tough ballparks to pitch in. He's going to be at Texas and at Houston. 
you drafted him, you're probably holding on to him. Are you starting him next week in a two-start situation? You know, we talked about Taiwan Walker a little bit on last week's podcast, and it's not a guy I was high on coming into the season. So far, that's bearing out a little bit for me. Um, I might actually take a flyer on him this week because I'm not buying Texas's offensive production. The park is bad. But like you said, he's getting you the strikeouts, and and we all know that Houston's going to strike out a ton. So he can go out mm-hmm. there and get you, you know, he pitches seven, he might get you 10Ks. Walker's got the stuff. There's no doubt in the world. I just don't think this is his year to figure it out. But this might be a week if I think I'm going to be if I think I'm going to be desperate in some matchups and need the points. I might gamble on him this week, honestly. And I'm not as big a fan. Yeah, you know, you're, you're right. I mean, you could with that Houston lineup with Evan Gaddis and Chris Carter. I mean, you could lock up six strikeouts right there. Uh, they've just been god awful. I mean, god awful. But uh, it's going to be interesting because you've got a pitcher pitching terribly against, in my view, some poor offensive teams. I, I don't like those all-or-nothing teams. Uh, so it's an interesting matchup. I probably would stay away from Walker. The fear of him blowing up my whip and my ERA, uh, it just scares me, scares me too much. But uh, all right, folks, it is 8.30 already Eastern time, and we are out of time here tonight on Draft Smashers Fantasy Sports Radio. I want to thank my friend Cameron Miller from FriendsWithFantasyBenefits.com for joining us tonight. Cam, before we sign off, uh, tell us about the podcast, where people can hear it, and when they can hear it, and what they could see on the site. Yeah, sure. Um, we record uh, pretty much every Thursday right now. podcast goes up usually on Mondays. Uh, you can find it at FriendsWithFantasyBenefits.com. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Stitcher. Just search for us on there. Um, we got a bunch of stuff going up on the site, mainly from our main writer, uh, head writer over there, Justin Mason. He's doing a lot of work for us. You can find some daily fantasy information from him. Um, it covers all range of stuff over there with them guys. They're doing a great job for us. Um, as far as Twitter goes, like I said at the top of the show, you can find our main feed on at Fantasy Benefits. Uh, you can find me at Cameron Miller zero zero. Um, and like I said earlier, you know, you can find all the guys by, by following those two feeds, and we'll hook you up with the rest of them. I can't remember all their handles off the top of my head, but but you can certainly get in touch with all those guys. And, you know, just come over, leave us some comments, send us some emails, you know, shoot us some questions. We'll, we'll answer them on the show. We'll answer them on Twitter, whatever it is that you want to do. Excellent stuff, excellent stuff. And as always, folks, you can hear Draft Smashers Fantasy Sports Radio every Wednesday night live here on blogtalkradio.com. Uh, can follow us on iTunes, and do me a favor, go to iTunes, rate us, comment, tell us what you think. If you go to draftsmasters.com, there's actually a contest up right now. To be eligible for the contest, you've got to go to iTunes and do what I just said, rate and, uh, and, and review the show, leave a comment, automatically enters you into the contest that you can see on draftsmasters.com. Go to the site, check out all the fantasy baseball stuff that's going up each and every day, courtesy of me, shameless plug, there you go. Follow us on Twitter, at Draft Smash Radio. Um, you can also hear the show not only on the site and iTunes and Blog Talk Radio, but on FantasyHelp.com, one of our great affiliates that I'm excited to be associated with. Don't forget, DraftKings.com, use the promotional code Smash Radio. FanDuel.com, use the promotional code Smashers. Get involved in the daily game and uh, let us lead you there and help you out there as well. 
<clears throat> we're just about out of time. Special announcement real quick. Next week's show will not air on Wednesday night. Some other obligations going on, but we will air on Tuesday night, probably 7.30 or 8 o'clock Eastern time. Follow us on social media for the exact time that show will air. But as of now, I'm losing my voice. That show will air on Tuesday night. Cam, this was a lot of fun. I appreciate you coming on. Um, when I sign off, unfortunately, with Blog Talk Radio, it's going to disconnect us. So I want to thank you for coming on the show, and I'll be in touch real soon after, uh, after the show's off the air. All right, my friend? All right, sounds good. I appreciate you having me on, Anthony. It was a lot of fun for me, too. Yeah, definitely. We'll do it again. It's a long baseball season, so we'll definitely do it again. For Anthony Aniano and DraftSmashers.com, this is DraftSmashers Radio. Have a good night, everybody. Mm-hmm.